Welcome into the Braves Baseball Party, your home for the best Braves baseball talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Grant McCauley and Jarvis Davis. And this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on for a free water bottle. Now, it is time indeed to start the party with our first pitch. So now, Grant, I know you were out at the baseball park last night. So this was the first time that we had the return of Densby. So I wanted to know from you, first of all, how was that in comparison to how it was from your perspective when Freddie Freeman returned? It was much more subdued. Everything was just kind of a natural <laughs> conversational flow. I mean, I, I've talked about it and thought about it for a long time. It right. was a surreal circumstance for Freddie Freeman. And I've talked about this a lot over the past year and especially this week and with Dansby coming in. The circumstances for Freddie and for Dansby are also kind of different because when you think about how long Freeman was there and how much he meant to this club, not to take anything away from Dansby Swanson, but it kind of felt like it was Freddie's team for about a decade, especially once Chipper Jones had stepped aside. It just seemed like Freddie became the face of the Braves, and that's not something that necessarily ever truly happened for Dansby Swanson, but he was a huge part of the winning that they did. He's a Marietta kid, you know, tried and true Georgia you know, resident. So it meant a lot to him to play for the Braves. And now this new opportunity with the Cubs, you can tell that he's embraced that as well. So it was a pretty straightforward yeah. Q&A with reporters, a very nice ovation from the crowd there at Truist Park. And I think for Dansby, as much as anything, having a chance to meet and talk with his teammates last month when they came up to Chicago, that might have already kind of got the tracks a little bit greased so that they didn't have to feel like, OK, well, this is a big emotional moment. How am I going to feel about it? I think he already kind of knew. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make, that it kind of takes the awkwardness out. And yeah, Jarvis, like Grant said, taking nothing away from Dansby because he is homegrown. But Freddie just kind of had the, he, he he had iconic status, right? Because, yeah, he was that it was kind of that generational turnover, if you will, like you said, from like a chipper onto mm -hmm. a Freddie. And there were so many other things that were swirling around that situation that kind of made it one to where it could be uncomfortable more so for Freddie than for Dansby. Oh, I, I think that, like you said, I think the situation was kind of almost kind of totally different, to be honest with you, because when you look at what Freddie Freeman brought to the table, this guy has had a Hall of Fame career. Dansby, not, not so much to be, you know, I hate to put it like that, but, and I think that when you look at how the, the information that had come out about the agent and, um, him not being in contact with them or they get to a point where, hey, the agent didn't say this or he wanted more money. And it was just so much back and forth about what actually happened. So I think there was some disdain there. And then Freddie ends up firing his agent. So that kind of confirms there was some miscommunications there. So I think that the Freddie Freeman situation was a little bit more emotional. And I think that I think everybody, both sides kind of understood that, hey, this is what it is. This is. It was the business, right? Like the Braves understood that, okay, we, we know that we got a, a viable replacement in Orlando Arcia, and we are in a space where you when you when you look at what Freddie Freeman actually uh, brought to the table or what Dansby Swan, excuse me, brings to the table, we know he's a solid guy. He's a locker room guy, but you felt like you had a strong enough locker room in order for him to be able to, to continue to sustain himself and his locker room continue to get where it needs to be. Yeah, I think that it did, and I think we saw with Freddie Freeman especially, and like you mentioned, a Hall of Fame career quite possibly, and nothing about that has mm -hmm. slowed down with what he did with the Los Angeles Dodgers in his first year in 2022, and even more so here in 2023. He's going to be in that MVP discussion. He won an yeah. MVP with the Braves. They're just some different accolades, different players, but key pieces to a championship team that 
uh, for the Braves, I mean, those have been fewer and further between than you'd like. So I think generationally speaking, yeah. and I pointed this out as well, final out of the 2021 World Series, ground ball to short, Dansby Swanson to Freddie Freeman. So they'll always be inextricably linked with some of the biggest and best moments in Braves baseball history. Indeed. And I had an opportunity to be out there when Freddie came back. And yeah, that was, I didn't get a chance to get out there last night, but that was a kind of a surreal situation. Whereas with Dansby, I kind of saw it from afar, but I thought, okay, yeah, decidedly different situation. Now, hey, listen, we talk a lot about Freddie still to this day. We talk a lot about Dansby as we just did. We don't talk enough about Kevin Pillar. And Kevin Pillar really was the one who was the catalyst for starting last night's comeback. Of course, the Braves found themselves down, Grant. Six nothing, but it's familiar territory because we know that they can be the cardiac kids, right? So all yeah. of a sudden, Kevin Pillar does his thing in the bottom of the sixth, and we're off to the races. And we do know there was a field error, so there's that. But ultimately speaking, the Braves get the W, and it also has some key implications. But I still want to start back at that point of, and if Grant Jarvis, from, from a first pitch perspective, if there's another first person you want to talk about, who else don't we talk about enough? But let's start with Kevin Pillar. Yeah, I think Kevin Pillar is the guy. I mean, it, it, when you look at what needed to happen for the Braves, it was just start scoring some runs at some point. You didn't have yeah. to score all six to come back from the hole that you dug yourself into against the Cubs, but you had to start somewhere. And for the Braves, the home run ball has been a huge part, and this may be the understatement of the show, of what they do offensively. They are just the third club in baseball history to get to 300 home runs in a single season. They're seven away from the all-time record set by the Minnesota Twins in 2019. And Kevin Pillar, how about number 300 on the year? Off his bat. Then Ron Lacuna Jr. comes through with a two-run homer. The next inning, Pilar kind of lighting the fire for a three-run frame. All of a sudden, you've cut that deficit in half. And this is a guy that he plays the game hard. He is, a, I think, the quintessential teammate, kind of the last man in in spring training in that outfield mix and the last man left standing. So he's a, you know, he's a great defender, runs the base as well. The Braves, I feel like, are very comfortable with what they have there. He's able to platoon, I think, quite nicely with Eddie Rosario out there when they decide to you know give Pilar the start. He seems to be ready to go, and you need those kind of guys. It doesn't have to be the big name every day, the cleanup hitter, the leadoff hitter. It doesn't have to be the central focus, but a baseball team, really any sports team, you got these unsung heroes throughout the year. Yeah. I think Kevin Pillar checks a lot of boxes for one of the unsung heroes for the 2023 Braves. And let me add another one to that, that to that to the pile, right? The pile of guys that come through for the Braves uh, in this 2023 season. I have to throw Marcelo Zuna. Yep. He had the big double off the wall. Yeah. Like, who saw this coming? Uh, Grant, I know Tanitra and I have talked about this uh, time and time again. We was just like, okay, let's tra- figure out how to trade this dude. Okay, once he started heating up a little bit, let's figure out how to trade this dude. Now that he has a little bit of value, but a now value, it's kind of right? like, all right, look at this doggone contract right now. That's, that's a lot of value there. You like, you have a value right there by keeping him on this squad. So the way he's been playing as of late and last night specifically, you just have to give him kudos because the dude has been through so much, obviously. You know, some of it was brought on him by himself, but I think that when you think about all these things coming together, and every, and I know he heard the noise as well, and he even said as much, but hey, I understand. I get it. I'm, I'm trying to get better. I want to be better. And for him to come out and perform the way he did this year, you got to give him a kudos as well. No, you definitely do, and I think he's been integral to kind of helping that, that clubhouse be what it is. I mean, it was yeah. a, a conversation he had with Michael Harris when things seemed to be about at the low point they could possibly get to for the rookie of the year last year, batting, what, 163 in the first week of June. All yeah, of a sudden, man. he just gets a little bit of an attaboy from Marcelo Zuna, and that may not sound like it matters a whole lot, and there was some hard work going on in the cage most certainly, but sometimes it just helps shift your perspective. But Marcel has shifted everyone's perspective on what and who he is 
36 home runs now, over 90 runs batted in. This is a guy that wasn't even batting 100 at the end of April, and I think was within a couple of days of being cut from this club altogether. So if you can award a comeback player of the year inside of a year, not even thinking about what happened the last two years, I think Marcelo Lozuna is your comeback player of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, I I could co-sign on that. And, yeah, we definitely had to dial it back and say, you know what? We were wrong. We're glad you kept him. This is a beautiful thing. Now, we'll talk a little bit about, and, and Grant, I, I will tell you, Jarvis and I have been chomping at the bit for the last several days waiting to hear from you on what, you know, where we are with certain decisions, right, as far as the Braves front office is concerned. I, we obviously say Marcelo Zuna, you kept him. That was a good look, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we go deep. But I agree with you guys, by the way, as far as Kevin Pilar being one we don't talk about a lot, Marcelo Ozuna. And then I'll throw out a term that that uh, Grant just used that I love, platooning overall with the Braves. At any, just about any position, that's something that we got to kind of keep in mind as well because that could loom large, of course, as they're heading into the postseason. But before we go deep, Jarvis is going to tell us a little bit about what you could do if you're hungry, but you do not want to pull away when we've got Grant McCauley in the building. What should they go check out? Check out DoorDash, people, because guess what? This is the thing that you need to make sure that you do. Because if you're sitting at home, chilling, at, at, the, at getting ready to watch the game, getting ready to watch the playoffs, and you're getting ready to see Max Fried on the mound to make sure he's doing okay and being the guy that we know he can be, how about this? If you're hungry, you can go to check out DoorDash, your trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivered that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. Want even more value? You can save all on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a zero de- delivery free on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. And make sure, guys, if once you figure out what you want to do, go to DoorDash and check out. You can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app uh, with your first order. And make sure you put in the code LOCKEDONNFL. All right. Love it. Love it. In case you are hungry or in case you really have to take a break and take a meal after you watch the show. But anyway, let's go deep and talk a little bit about it, Jarvis and Grant. It's the pitching staff, right? So you could go down the whole laundry list. I'll make a football analogy, right? When Kirby Smart said just last week that ultimately in his duration of now, I think, seven seasons at the helm for the dogs, He's never had an injury list that long, this long. And you kind of feel like that looking with the Braves almost like every day. Gosh, who's going to go on the IL? You know, we had Max Free go on the 15-day, Charlie Morton go on the 15-day. And then you could really, really just go down the list of Colin McHugh and Nick Anderson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we won't bore you with the list. Grant knows the list. The Jarvis knows the list all too well. But the question is, and it's a look back before we look ahead, but the question is, Grant, do you ever look back at that trade deadline point and say to yourself, man, with all of this kind of decimating this pitching staff, maybe the Braves should have kind of sort of gotten somebody. I'll be honest with you. I don't because I look at the guys that got traded at that deadline and let's just point a few things out. And I got into this on social media and have for basically the last seven or eight weeks. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have to choose from? I mean, I understand like, okay, well, this guy's not doing well. I want somebody, anybody else because different is better, but that is not necessarily the case because we can go down this list 
you weren't getting Justin Verlander from the New York Mets. They're not going to pay him yeah. to play in Atlanta. Same thing with Max okay. Scherzer and Max Scherzer's hurt. So that's a moot point as it is. You take those two guys off the table as I think what would have been the most coveted starters you can get outside of Jordan Montgomery, who was dealt from the Cardinals to the Rangers and has pitched well. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, yeah. and the list goes on for some of these other starters have pitched rather poorly in their new cities. I mean, Lance Lynn looked pretty good for the Dodgers in a handful of starts, and then it kind of reverted back to being home run prone and not being able to cover the innings. So I pointed this out on, on X yesterday. Look, is there any difference between what Bryce Elder's doing and what they're doing? Actually, probably so, because Bryce Elder's actually contributed to what you've done this year, and you need him to figure some things out. I don't think it would yeah. be better to have a different guy getting lit up like a Christmas tree down the stretch or potentially in a uh, start in the postseason just because you wanted somebody different than Bryce Elder. And you weren't going to pile up three, four, five extra starters just in an attempt to have more than you could possibly need in the postseason. Rosters just aren't built for that kind of thing. You have to have a bullpen, and there are limits on how many pitchers you can carry. So to make a long story short, this is a road that the Braves have been down every postseason since 2020, trying to figure out this rotation. They leaned heavily on rookie pitchers in 2020 and then so got to the point in the NLCS where A.J. Minter was making a start against the Dodgers. Then in 2021, it was Max Fried, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson carrying the load. Charlie Morton breaks his leg in the first game of the World Series. Atlanta still found a way to get through it. And then last year, a sick Max Fried and Spencer Strider coming off injury. That compounded the Braves' problems. And they weren't the club offensively they were a year ago that they are sure. this year. So I don't yeah. really worry as much about Max Fried's blister issue it's something I think is manageable, but you hope that it is something that subsides with some time off. Missing Charlie Morton, though, that's something I think the Braves may have to get a little bit creative with how exactly they're going to yeah. fill that void, particularly if it goes beyond the division series. Right. And I think then if you look at it as a whole, kind of going back to something you said, Grant, if we're being honest about it, when the Braves made their World Series run, we, well, maybe Grant did, so I'm going to say we as in Tanitra, maybe did not know at the time that the night shift was, they became the right. night shift, right? right, right so right, right. what this this crew could do the same thing. Yeah. We could have a night shift 2.0. And like you said, we can have somebody that just steps up to the plate from that pitching rotation like a Bryce Elder. Who knows? Maybe he only needs to figure it out just a hair. And like you said, hopefully you get a good run with Max Fried being able to get the blister situation taken care of in a timely manner. And then you kind of go from there. But another thing that you said was most important, and Jarvis, this really is probably going to resonate with me as we begin to look at these guys and watch them now that the magic number is down to one so that they can have home field advantage throughout the National League. And then, of course, World Series. I think it's what, three is the magic number? Three? It's two. Um, I think it's two, yeah. Two. Woo -woo. Two throughout. Yeah, all the way yeah, to the right. throughout. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so they're down to two, and then they're down to one. That's right. Two. Um, they can get it within the next five games, Jarvis. But I love what Grant said, which is for what you may lack here and there in that pitching rotation, or what might make you shake or tremble or be triggered, the offensive firepower that maybe wasn't there that could have sustained you past the Phillies, you've got it now. So you've got a so much more to offset than maybe you did last year when you had some of these challenges. Yeah, I, I agree. And just to kind of touch on, you know, the, going back to the trade deadline really quickly, I, I think that, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I trust Alex Anthopoulos wholeheartedly. Like, there are not yeah. many general managers in the city of Atlanta professional sports that I can say that. And Alex Anthopoulos is definitely one of them. He's the guy that I say, okay, yeah, man, like – Whatever you say, whatever you cool, whatever you say, whatever you feel, like go with that, like because it's it's, it's come try, try time and time again when it comes to these big decisions as to whether or not you're gonna make a move. And we talked about it leading up to it, T. Leading up to the trade down, I was just like, okay, 
Like, all right, here's what we have coming back. Kyle Wright, Max Freed, those guys are coming back. We, you got Bryce Elder, who's an all-star. So why would you even question him in the first place, you know, at that time, uh, time, time of, uh, the, of the season? So it's just a, a lot of decisions that he had to make. I felt he made the right ones. And, like, that whole night, night shift 2.0 piece, like, he got some nice he got some nice arms, you know, at the trade deadline as well. We talked, Joe, um, you're talking about Joe, um, not Joe Jimenez, but um, Brad, Brad Hand, yeah. Joe Jimenez as yeah. well. So, like, you bringing in guys like that who've been really solid to you on the – Second half, not so much lately in the month of September, but, you know, those guys can catch fire at any moment and you, because we've seen it, right? We understand that this is what they're capable of. So I think that when you have those, those, those weapons going in now, now granted, when it comes to Charlie Morton and Max Free being on the IL as we speak right now, I mean, of course, I'm concerned, but – I feel like I trust Alex Anthopoulos enough because he's built this roster. He constructed yeah. his roster for moments like these. And I think that the Braves will be perfectly fine. And if you, especially when you have this lineup buzzing like it has been, with, especially with guys like Kevin Pillar starting to come back last night and also Marcelo Zuna continuing with the, with the double off the wall. So I think that it's just the way this lineup is currently constructed, somebody is going to be on fire enough to be able to carry this pitching staff until they get healthy. And it doesn't just yeah. have to be one guy. I think right. that's exactly. one of the things that really exactly. speaks about the Braves. And, and I've heard every member of the club, whether it's Ron Lacuna Jr., Metals, and Austin Riley, I mean, picks them, Ozzie Albies, you know, all of them don't feel the pressure that, well, okay, well, if I don't come through here, then, you know, it's not going to get done. That, that couldn't be further from the truth with the 2023 right. version of this Braves club. If anything, I think it takes some of the pressure off of these guys. And we've seen the improved approach, less strikeouts, more home runs, which is crazy to think about a club that hit 250 a year ago. But that's where we are, and nobody typifies this more so than Ronald Acuna Jr., who has elevated his game to levels I don't think we even knew were possible, but he just continues to show us how great he is. So this is a lineup that I think, to bring it all home, is one that can help back up this pitching staff in a way in which we have never seen a Braves lineup be capable of doing what this lineup can do. You know, Grant just makes me feel so much better about my life as a Braves country. <laughs> but yeah, I like, you know, I don't fan out Grant about many, many of our teams here in Atlanta, but I grew up as a Braves fan. And so, yeah, I will tell you, that's the why TBS I said reach. I was chomping at the beach. Yeah, the, TV, the reach of TBS. So that's why I was like, gosh, and, you know, I've heard you, uh, of course, on other outlets as well. But I wanted to kind of talk to you today and I wanted to kind of hear from you as well and kind of get your thoughts on it. Because, yeah, I had a little angst. Now, the good news, however, is before we wrap, last night I did not have angst. Sixth inning, I was still like, yeah, okay. All right, six up. So that goes back to what you were saying about the firepower that we still have confidence in, like this team is never out of it. And also, to kind of take from our first pitch segment, but also from another one of our shows, two things. Number one, they are the cardiac kids on 10, and any one of them can be the cardiac kid who actually wins it for you every night. And number two, on another one of our shows, we say, are you concerned or confident? And so, yeah, you can be concerned here and there with the Braves, but ultimately speaking, because you've got not only Alex Anthopoulos and what he did to get the Braves here, but what Brian Snicker does night in and night out in the decision-making and the strategy that he puts forth and everybody that surrounds him, you know, from Rick Kranitz all the way down to mm -hmm. Ron, uh, Ron, Uncle Ronnie, Ron Washington, and all points in between, that's where you get your confidence. So, yeah, I love that appreciated and now i feel more comfortable to say hey this is why we tell you guys don't stop here at the braves party you guys need to check out the braves postcast because grant mccauley jake mastriani they are awesome they give you guys so much amazing analysis so each and every night 
after each and every Braves game, they are here to break the game down to you and tell you not only what you need to know about that game, but also how it impacts the rest of the Braves run down the road. So we know that the Braves are entering game two of their three-game series against the Cubs. They did their whole rendition of Cardiac Kids version 17, episode 275. I say that to say we never, ever count them out, right? And so they got the 7-6 win. And if they get this one, of course, tonight, that'll give them the series win. But more importantly, we're looking at magic numbers, right? One to get them home field advantage all the way through the National League postseason run. And if they make it to the World Series, then it's the magic number two. So Jarvis, let's start right now. We've got Darius Vines uh, on the mound tonight. What do you need to see from this team in order for this team to get a win? I think Darius Vines is the guy that just needs to get to get us to five to six innings, yep. maybe even six, nine, you know, and that maybe even pushing a little bit, um, you know, as far as what they need, because here's the thing, like we just talked about with Grant as far as what the what this offense can do and how up and down this lineup, this guy, this is the Atlanta version of Murderous Rope. Like as yeah, far as like anybody totally. can take you out, anybody. Think about it. Last night, even Kevin Pillar hit the three hundredth home run of the season. Right. Who would have thought that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that for you know to be able to reach a, a, a that type of feat, you know, at at this moment, you know, with with Kevin Pillar, I feel yeah. like you know Darius Bonds is there's no there's no real pressure, and if they can jump on jump on the Chicago Cubs early. Um, I, mm-hmm. I really feel like, you know, that is something that, you know, they can they can be able to take advantage of going forward for sure. Yeah, I believe the same. And I think it's one of those things, too, where you hate to kind of kick a dog when it's down, but kick a dog when it's down. Because now the Cubs have a six-game losing streak. And you got to think about this. The Cubs had an opportunity there to stay ahead of the curve as far as that NLC Central race goes. And with that loss, although the Brewers lost as well, the Brewers – won the central so mm-hmm. now the cubs are fighting for a wild card but sometimes it's deflating and demotivating for you to have come in here fighting for something like the division where maybe you could get to host something where now you may have to potentially go on the road so i think sometimes it can be mental and sometimes you can kind of take advantage of that opportunity and i think the other piece is this like you said Darius Vines uh, gave, I think, about three and a third innings in his last outing, gave up a couple runs, uh, probably could use a few more strikeouts there, if you will, because I think he only had one strikeout. But it was still just efficient enough for Brian Snicker not to overtax his bullpen. And at this point, Jarvis, where we know that you could be utilizing a Kyle Wright as a part of the bullpen, but you also may need him to have an extended outing from the bullpen you need to just make sure that everybody has as much rest as they possibly can. So to your point, Darius Vines almost got him into the fourth inning. Tonight it'd be great if he could get the Braves into the fifth inning and then let Brian Snicker strategize from there. Oh, I like I'm glad I'm so glad you brought up Kyle Wright because I, I think that that's a very interesting piece because like yeah. he's essentially pitching for a postseason spot, right? Because yeah, it, his last couple outings haven't been great. You know, he's right. he struggled, you know, so for him to be coming out of the bullpen and kind of Brian Snicker trying to see test the waters, dip his toe in the kind of waters, kind of see, okay, what what can can you get get yourself together? Because they're going to need that. Because like yes. I said, we don't know what Charlie Moore is going to look like when he comes back. Right. I know I expect Max Freed to come back, okay, and you know, and and then when you have a, essentially you going 
going into the the postseason with only one real hefty starter that's been pitching well, and Spencer yeah. Strider. We got yeah. we know the questions that come with and, Bryce Elder. Right. It's just it's just too yeah. many questions right now in, in order for for Kyle Wright to kind of continue to come out and struggle. Right, we know he have what four and a half months he was out, but mm-hmm. I think right now if Darius Bryant can give you those four or five five to six innings, like like I mentioned, and then. You can bring in a Kyle Wright in a low leverage yes. situation and say, yes. you know what? Hey, here, let's see what you got. Let's get let's work you back in. And as mm-hmm. you know, the season wraps up on Sunday, you can get a have a really good picture as to what you're going to be working with at once the postseason gets rolling. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why Brian Snicker hasn't fully announced and didn't fully announce what the starting rotation was going to be, because of course they wrapped up their series Sunday, right? And so I think it was with the Nats, with the doubleheader. And so then they're off on Monday. And if you check the Braves feed, at that point, they'd only confirmed that Bryce Elder was going to pitch in game one of the Cubs. They didn't say, hey, here's the rotation for the Cubs, here's the rotation for the Nats. And there are still holes in it, by the way. It's still to be determined on several of those games. The reason I mention that is because, to your point, I think that Brian Snicker wants to almost take it game by game and kind of see who he has to use versus who he can use and kind of go from there. So, yeah, I really, really like the strategy that we're seeing down the stretch. Hopefully when we're having the conversation or we'll say even our guys, um, Grant McCauley and Jake Mastriani, when they're having the conversation for Braves postcast, hopefully they'll be having a conversation saying that the magic number is all good, at least the first one, and then they'll come back uh, for the next game and tell you that, the Braves have clinched home field advantage throughout because, as we say, there's nothing like the Braves in Truist Park. They're good on the road, but they are something scary up in Cobb County. So, hey, we appreciate you guys for stopping by our Braves baseball party. We're so excited about this new gig that we're running here with Jarvis and with Grant. And, of course, Jake will be back with us next week. So we appreciate you guys for stopping by. But don't forget. It could be the coolest thing if you guys stop by that Braves postcast tonight in case those guys are talking about that magic number being clenched. So thanks again for stopping by, and we will see you guys on the baseball party for the Braves next week.